Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Hi, everyone. This is Allison Kay, and welcome to this episode of Disruptive CEO Nation. We are going to talk to somebody that I just love. They are a marketing expert, business guru that you need to know. So today we have the pleasure of meeting with Matthew Sweezy, who is the Director of Market Strategy for Salesforce and who is actually regarded as one of the leading minds on the future of marketing. And he has visionary insights into consumer behavior, technologies, business strategies, and he's totally changed the way startups, Fortune 500 and nonprofit organizations have that customer conversation. Um, But he is absolutely an accomplished writer as well. You can find him in The Economist, Forbes, HBR. And what we're here to talk about today is his new book that I'm going to encourage everybody to pick up, which is The Context Marketing Revolution. And so with that, Matthew, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, So I've had the privilege of reading your book and you have some key concepts that that come through, but really, you know, you talk about the um, age of infinite media. So can you explain to everybody what that is? Sure. Uh, So let's get nerdy for a second because that's what I do for a living. Um, So what the age of infinite media is, is essentially saying that we have entered a point in time where the amount of noise that we face in the marketplace is going to an infinite scale. Now, you could say, of course, we know that social media means more noise. What we really need to understand is that media environments are very powerful things. And so when we enter a new media environment, that means a lot of the things that we know change. Here's why this is important. The notion that we have of marketing is really a game. And it's a game where the rules are set by the environment. Now, the rules and the idea of marketing was really created during what's called the limited media era, which was the prior point in time, which is really any point in time prior to 2009 specifically when we entered this infinite media era. What that means is during that time, the environment operated in a specific way and we had specific things that we believed to be truth, such as sex sells or right message, right person, right time, or there is no such thing as bad press, right? These are all marketing myths Mm -hmm. that were true at a point in time. Now that we look at where we are now, what we have to realize is the very foundations of the environment have completely changed, meaning those old ideas can't just simply be taken into the new time and iterated upon. They need to be completely wiped away, and we need to look at the new rules for the environment and say, what do we then do in this world? And so really what the infinite media era means is that businesses no longer have control over the media environment. Now consumers are the largest creators of noise in the marketplace. The second largest creators of noise are their digital devices. And what is really critical is we must rethink this whole notion of marketing in this new world. Because when we start thinking about one, what is marketing's role and how do we break through this noise? That is a big problem that we have to face and old methods don't work. And then two is then how do we think about motivating the modern human? And we start to look at new modern methodologies of media that actually motivate humans in ways that we never could have dreamed of. Just think about a notification from a Fitbit. A notification from a Fitbit is a hyper-personal format of media that is created for one person in one moment, 
And it has the ability to get that person to physically walk 500 more steps instantaneously, right? And it, it, if you just like let unpack that in your brain of motivation, it's a new world, so we need a new idea. So the infinite media era is this new point in time, and we need to rethink the idea of marketing because that's the reason why. Well, and in your book, you also cover, um, you know, different customer, um, the way to look at customers and the way to look at your messaging, you know, um, and you have things like available, permissioned, personal, authentic. Um, can you go through some of those principles that a business builder would want to keep in mind? Yeah, so I don't want to dive too deep into those, but there's a few that I want to pick on. So when you start to think about building your business in this modern world, you have to realize that the consumers own the media environment. It operates for their end. And traditionally, when we think about how we want to communicate with individuals, we have this notion in this term called one-to-one. That term specifically comes from 1993 in a book written by Don Peppers and Martha Rogers Mm -hmm. called The Future of One-to-One. Or the the one-to-one future, I can't always get it confused. What we must realize is that was the notion of personal, how we thought about personalization. We're going to create one message for one person, and that's what we have to do. In this new infinite era, you have to rethink what the apex of personal is. Because in one-to-one, that is one brand message to one individual in a single moment. In this new world, when it's designed and controlled and owned by consumers, what is authentic and what what breaks through and what motivates is not one-to-one in the same methodology. We must think of a higher form of personal, and that is really one person engaging another person on the brand's behalf. And when you start to then look at a lot of modern methodologies, influencer marketing, right, that is one human to another human on the brand's behalf. It is personal in a different context. Mm-hmm. And that's really what we must think about is how do you then work with your marketplace to then create your product? How do you work with your marketplace to get the messages out? How do you work with your marketplace to do all these things? Because the marketplace is where we have to go. We no longer have control over it. We have to work with it, not on it. And I think it gets you know, very overwhelming because if you talk to somebody that's been a business builder for a long time, they might be crippled because they can't shift their mindset around the infinite media and what they need to do. Um, but for a new business builder, it might just be so much. Um, like I know we in your book and, and most of us that have that marketing background, we're taught a lot about the customer journey and you talk about automation guiding the customer journey. But I also find it's just so overwhelming. There's so many different types of automation tools out there. Where does, where does a new business builder even begin? Well, it's not with tools. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the first thing you have to do is one, you have to have really deep insights into your customer. That's a duh statement. Uh-huh. Um, we really mean by that in the future and, and kind of what we mean by that now is you, we always understand audiences. We must understand moving forward, your audience is the most valuable asset, not just because it gives you push button access to, you know, send an email or text these people, but you're going to have this whole trove of first party data. And as we take this next step into the future, we are entering the post cookie world, which means third party cookies no longer exist. So a lot of the advertising methodologies, a lot of the technologies, marketing technology tools that we leverage all hinge on that one technology. What, sell, what saves us in the future is having these audiences because those are reliable sources of first party data, as well as then reliable ways to then reach those people. So the first thing you should do is how do you create a community? That's the number one thing that you should figure out. How do you create a community? Hmm. Uh, and then from there, learn to work with that community and co-create everything that you do from co-creating your marketing, your messaging, your product, your service, your support. That is what we mean by this infinite media era. And what a business has to do is harness 
those communities and those audiences. And those then become functioning aspects of your business. And we can see examples of this in every step of the customer journey, whether it's at the very beginning. So the UN is a great example. So COVID hits, the UN says, we want to get a message out to the marketplace. If we go one step back to that thing we talked about, which is marketing's role to break through the noise, and we know that brands don't have the same impact or ability to break through the noise as an individual, what UN had the option to do is said, we can work with our traditional agency, we can create some amazing campaign, and we can push it out to the world. That's standard old idea, right? No matter how creative it gets, it's still an old idea. Instead, what they did is they put a brief out to thousands of artists. They said, would you help us create basic message, like just make a basic ad and put it out on social media for us? What they ended up with was 11,000 individual advertisements about how to keep safe during COVID, each one coming from a person who has a micro network. The average engagement on each one of those pieces was a hundred pieces of engagement. So likes, reshares. If you just do the basic math in your head, that's a massive impact that they were able to create by co-creating with the marketplace because that's a new idea of marketing made for a new time, harnessing that infinite ability. And then it can go all the way to the other end. And you look at brands like Spotify. Spotify does not have an internal support structure. They have a team that manages their advocates who then run the support for that brand. All they're doing is managing that audience of how do we then help these people? How do we answer these questions? And they are answering thousands of questions every day. And all the people want in exchange is some basic swags, the ability to be seen and given an inside track into what's coming out new and next. That audience is powering their entire support infrastructure, right? So we need to rethink how you're building these businesses and working with the marketplace to help do these things. Tesla's done this. Everybody does this. Well, and, and you mentioned Tesla, and you have a really great example of um, of a Tesla, not only for owning and knowing their customer journey, but how they've leveraged their marketing spend in this um, in this new world of infinite media. Can you comment on that a little bit for our listeners? Because I find that story fascinating. Yeah. So so let's let's bring a lot of these theories and topics back into a really simple, easy case study, right? So here's the problem. I'm telling you to have a new idea of marketing and it's very hard to kind of conceive. So let me break it down. And when I say new idea, I don't mean new marketing tactics. I mean a different definition for marketing in terms of what it means to your organization. So here we go. So Mercedes Benz versus Tesla. This is the most comparable model, which is the Mercedes Benz C-Class to the Tesla Model 3. And the case study we're gonna talk you through is 2017 domestic United States data. So here's what happens. Mercedes-Benz in 2017 is the number one luxury car manufacturer. And when they go to market their Model C class, on average, they spend $926 per car sold. And they sold 86,000 units in 2017. Now, their underlying business structure, what marketing means to Mercedes-Benz is the following. They build the car. They then turn that car over to marketing. Marketing tells the world about this car and tries to drive demand for this car. And then they sell that car. Their business model and marketing's function is a byproduct of production and is there to tell the world about the things that they've made. Let's look at Tesla. Tesla is a very young company at the time. I think they were 12 or 13 years old mm -hmm. and the model three comes out and they sell 276,000 pre-orders of the model three, which if you're doing the basic math, that is three X plus what Mercedes Benz sold. Now the next amazing statistic is the advertising cost per unit sold is $6. That is not a misspeak. That is one 150th of what Mercedes Benz spends on advertising per unit sold. 
The most surprising thing is the cars don't exist. Tesla has never made an economy car or a sedan at this point, right? So this is a completely radical, if you were to, to, to you know, give a brief of how do you do this, this would never happen. But here's what marketing means to Tesla. Here's how it operates. Tesla, first off, doesn't even have a CMO, right? Their business model, their underlying business structure follows, it goes this way. First off, they have a conversation with the marketplace about how to get the world off of fossil fuels. That is the starting point of what they do. They then work with that marketplace to then get them to be the co-financers of the actual production facility. They say, pre-buy this, that will then give us the money to then build this car, right? So they mm-hmm. are working with the marketplace well before. That then drives the demand, they then sell the car. Then they continue to market through the most amazing customer experience anybody has ever seen in the car buying world, right? So it's market at the beginning, market at the end. It is not a byproduct of production. It is there in a completely different context doing a completely different function. Right, so that is the tale of the two stories. Now, who's the number one luxury car manufacturer? It's Tesla, no longer Mercedes-Benz. It, it's a very compelling um, case study because I, I don't think it, 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 I know I've seen you give a presentation on it. I've seen the data on slides and it, it's still just hard to get your head around. Um, but I think like you said, it's, it's this piece of um, the conversations from the marketplace. And when you talk about having, you know, conversations in the marketplace and um, that first party data, um, again, it's, it's, it's a lot. And we, where would you tell somebody that's starting a company um, to maybe look for some of that first data? It's so easy. <laughs> Here's, I've dropped a lot of numbers, a lot of big fancy words, a lot of terms, um, because that's what I do for a living. But if you really want to think about all you need to do, here's the mantra that you need to use for the remaining of your entire career. It is the three words with, not, on. Before you do anything, you need to ask yourself, am I doing this with my marketplace or am I forcing this on my marketplace? It doesn't matter if you're going to create a piece of content, if you're going to build a new product, if you're going to launch a new department, Ask yourself, am I doing this with my marketplace or am I doing it on my marketplace? What we must realize is in this new point in time, we must harness the power of the marketplace because they are the ones that have the power. We no longer have that power that we once had. And so it's those three simple words. And that should guide everything that you do from a business standpoint moving forward. I love it. And I hope the the listeners have really loved it. Matthew, tell us a little bit about your career and how you got to be so smart on all these topics because... you know, you just don't wake up and say, I'm, I'm one of the best futurists in marketing. Can you just give a, a little snippet to everybody on your journey? Um, first off, you have to, uh, I think everyone kind of had a different dream when they were a kid. And I knew I had a really big love for marketing when I was a kid and just always loved it as a topical thing. So just a natural thing I love to look at. And I'm creative, I paint, do all kinds of fun things. So just always love the topic. Um, and then as I got into the business world, uh, I had my, I had my first startup when I was young, um, which was a marketing automation. Um, it was a lead arbitrage system. It was super fun, super ahead of its time. I lost a lot of money, learned a lot of lessons, uh, shut that down and then went to work for, um, a little tiny startup. And I was employee 13 at a company called Pardot. And that was the marketing automation space. And so got to watch the marketing automation space, help grow it, um, watch it take off and help a lot, create a lot of the best practices. And that's really when I kind of started really working on the future of what marketing means. And we were super forward at that point in time. 
Um, marketing automation was the cutting edge in, in mm -hmm. you know, 2009. Um, and then I continued down that path. Um, we were then acquired by Exact Target and became part of the thought leadership team at Exact Target and then continued with the thought leadership team at Salesforce. Um, and currently now still am part of the thought leadership team at Salesforce focused on specifically the future of marketing. So it's a combination of luck, uh, of just a love for a passion, um, and just being in the right place at the right time. Well, I want to use that knowledge to come back to this phrase that, that you said earlier and that I know you're also very passionate about when you talk to people, and that's what does it mean to be in this post-cookie strategy? Um, and, and, and what does that mean? Because we've all been taught um, so much about SEO and about our website and our cookies and all of this and that. And I know you're like, wait, you have to, you know, shift your thinking on this. So, um, so for those of people like me and my colleagues, um, we've been waiting for the implosion of the ad tech marketplace for probably six years. And we've been talking about the implosion um, coming and looming. What's finally happened is I think everyone has to realize what a cookie is before we really go down this road. Um, mm -hmm. Cookies are little tiny technical pieces that, are, that sit inside of your browser. They're essentially vessels that track information that can then be used by software to do lots of different things. Um, on a, your own website, they're used for personalization, for changing things, whether it be colors, offers, whatever. Um, and it's a first party cookie. The third party cookie is what is going away. And those are the cookies where, you know, many of you probably have a Facebook beacon or a Facebook cookie on your website that allows you to retarget those individuals on Facebook's advertising network. That will be going away because that is a third party cookie. The reason it's going away is because there's a big problem with privacy in the internet and there's a thing called surveillance capitalism that people are really not too savvy about. So by eliminating third party cookies, these browsers are taking a preemptive step so that they don't have draconian government regulations really hamstringing these businesses. So this is a preemptive step. Uh, Google's the last one to do this. Um, it's already been done by Safari. Um, by, um, so just, it's already happening. So by end of 2021, third-party cookies go away. Here's the problem. If you ask the question, you know, multi-touch attribution is a, is, a, is a goal that a lot of marketers and business leaders have wanted to do. I, I'm very anti this methodology and now it won't even be possible because it'll be very, very difficult to know without these third party cookies, who's going where and what and who's doing what. It's going to be very hard to tie those things together. Um, ad tech is going to be completely reinvented because we won't have the ability to do basic retargeting like we used to do. So when these cookies go away, many brands have been relying so heavily on cookie-based technologies for one, for advertising methodologies and two, reporting methodologies, that they're gonna to have to come up with new methods and new ideas. And if we go back to these notions of what will work in a post-cookie world, we have to have a couple of basic things. One, you're gonna to have to have a ton of first-party data. And that means that you are going to, let's take two steps back. Remember content marketing and this whole notion that we're gonna create content with the mm -hmm. goal that we get as the brand is I get an email address from you. So now I can contact you and reach out to you. I can get leads to manage it. We're going to now take that same department and put it on steroids. And that's going to become your first party data acquisition department. And you're going to start creating tons of apps. You're going to start creating tons more content. You're going to start creating all different types of things to gain first party data because that first party data is going to be the key to how do you target these people moving forward. It's going to be what you use to model audiences because we're no longer going to be able to buy uh, an individual, you're going to be targeting audiences. They'll be very small. So you're going to need to model audiences too. Then if you want to then market inside of a walled garden, Facebook is a walled garden. If you want to market in there, 
and you have a first party identifier, such as an email address, you will then be able to do one-to-one -one targeting inside of those walled gardens. So that's gonna be another key that we have to have. That's gonna allow for omni-channel experiences, and we all know those are powerful. So in this post-cookie world, the number one thing is we have to have that first party data. The second thing is to say, well, what are methods that don't even rely on cookies at all? And if we go back to the whole notion of this infinite media era and consumers, human to human methodologies mm -hmm. follow that answer, right? So building audiences, leveraging audiences, whether that's you know, influencer marketing, whether that's just pick a flavor, communities, user groups, um, human to human methodologies are where we also need to go and invest a lot of money. So basically you're saying the money's in the list. <laughs> so get back to the basics of our first party, party data. Um, okay, Matthew, we're, we're coming up on our, our time. So I have to ask who inspires you? Where do you go to, um, you know, to be inspired by business leaders or, or futurists or, you know, what you read or where you go? I uh, just, I constantly read. Um, I'm a, I'm a voracious reader and researcher. And anytime I come across something cool, I just reach out to that person and ask them a question I couldn't Google. Um, answer by, you know, just Googling that question and then just have conversations with them. So it's really random. I mean, there's people that I dramatically admire. Doc Searles is a person I admire. Um, Joseph Pine, I admire, um, you know, Mark Schaefer. I, I can't, I adore Mark Schaefer and all his work. Um, and then the rest is just, you know, reading and, and finding things and just reaching out and talking to people. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Um, tell everybody again, the name of your book, where they can find it and how they can uh, connect with you. Yeah, it's called The Context Marketing Revolution. It's published by Harvard Business. Um, and you can find that pretty much anywhere books are sold, from your local bookstore to Amazon to yeah, pretty much anywhere. So thank you so much for being a guest. And for our listeners, if Matthew said something that resonated with you, please share this podcast episode with somebody else. Pick up the book, um, drop him a note on LinkedIn, tell him how much you appreciate it. And um, if there is a wonderful entrepreneur or business leader that I should speak to, send me a note at Allison at connect at allisonksummers.com. Thank you again, Matthew. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>